Welcome to The How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Ben Johnson. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Henry. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're looking forward to this conversation. We're going to chat about financing options for franchise businesses. Now, a lot of what we're going to talk about applies to any kind of business that you're starting and are going to look for lending for, but we're going to look at it very specifically, and I'm going to ask some questions of Ben looking at it from a franchise perspective. That's a focus of several episodes that we've done on franchising, and there's an upcoming webinar that I'll tell you more about in a moment. Um, But if you want to receive more information about franchising, including the free download, I have a free download on this topic called Six Myths of Franchising. There are a lot of misconceptions and myths about what franchising is and what it's not. It's a great document that I've co-written with Sarah Waskow, who's a a franchising expert. And so you can just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996, and I'll send you a link reply, and then you can easily download uh, that, that free document. So Ben Johnson, Ben Johnson is a VP of commercial lending at First Bank, Texas. He's a lender, a certified business appraiser. He's an experienced senior business and credit analyst and portfolio manager, a loan broker, and a financial services professional. He's, he's been all over the industry in different roles. Uh, prior to First Bank, Texas, he was an independent business consulting, consultant, rather, working with uh, Sentinel Financial Corporation and North Texas Appraisers. In that role there, he helped business owners conduct funding transactions, facilitate the successful purchase or sale of their businesses, and he provided accredited business valuation services. So again, as you can tell from his background, varied background, he really understands the lending space. And Ben lives in the Dallas-Fort Worth area here near where I live. So once again, Ben Johnson, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Great introduction. Thanks. Good to have you. And as we're recording this for our audience, if we sound a little distracted at some point, there's a classic Dallas storm coming through the area. (laughs) So we hope it doesn't, we hope we survive. There was some thunder there, but it's crazy. These storms that we've been having, you just went by your house, I believe. Is that right? They did, and um, I just checked the backyard. I didn't lose any more trees. Oh, I know, I know. That's that's what we're all looking at our backyards, looking to see if we've lost more trees. It's been crazy. No, no claims on the homeowners insurance. Hopefully. Oh my so. goodness, I know it, I know it. All right, so let me tell you a little bit more about this webinar that's coming up, and then Ben and I will get into the conversation. So I'll be conducting a free franchise webinar. And it's specifically to help you decide if a franchise is a good fit for you. We'll we'll cover various topics related to franchising. And we'll give you an opportunity to ask questions, which is important. Unlike just listening to an episode, you'll get to ask questions on this webinar. The webinar is free, but you do have to register. We have limited spots, and so you need to register. So we know who you are. We'll send you the link, and then you'll be able to join us. This is going to happen on Wednesday, August 7th of 2019 at 7 p.m. It's a 60-minute session, so block it out now. But again, to get your link to reserve, either go to our website, thehowabusiness.com, or text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996, and I will reply with the link for you to get registered. Now, if you're listening to this episode after August 7th, 
then come to the website and you can listen to the replay. So the information will still be there. You won't get to ask the questions, obviously, but there's still a lot of good information. I'm doing this webinar jointly with Sarah. And that's partly what led me to get Ben to come on the show. I, I got the, had the privilege, rather, of having uh, watched Ben do a presentation recently, a co-presentation with Sarah for a group of prospective franchisees. And that's when I thought he would be a great guest. So uh, before we get started, Ben, I just want to make sure, you know, no one misunderstands what we're going to talk about here. We are not offering credit to anyone. We're not promising a loan to anyone. Is there anything there you want to say on that point? Yes, uh, everything is just talk, negotiations, and discussion until an actual written agreement and commitments are in place. So uh, we're going to have a great discussion, but it's never a promise to deliver. That's so. right. Everybody's situation is unique and different. And so we're going to talk about, ooh, that was a loud one. That was impressive. <laughs> yeah, that was some good lightning there. So we're going to talk about generalities, things that we've observed, experiences that we've had, but every situation is different. So let's start with, from a lending perspective, Ben, what are some of the advantages that going with a franchise might have over it's my first business and I'm going to start it from scratch. What are some of the advantages that lenders look at when it's a franchise? Well, I think one of the, um, one of the great things that lenders try to do is they try to find niches in the marketplace. And sometimes franchises can create those kinds of opportunities for a lender when they get familiar and comfortable with that particular business model and what the franchisor offers. And so that familiarity with the business plan that the franchisor is basing everything off and that model gives them a comfort level that they know what, where the deal is going to go, what the what the play is. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's an advantage. The other advantage is, is sometimes the applicants don't have all the industry experience that they might need to enter into that business. So the, uh, the, the uh, franchise is going to offer a system and the, the franchisor is going to understand that the franchisee is going to enter into that system. They're going to get trained. They're going to get guidance and support from the franchisor. And they're going to be able to learn the industry as opposed to just jumping in feet first. Ben, I'd like you to clarify what you meant by lenders that look, they look for niche markets. What, what did you mean by that? Sure. So at, at times there are lenders in the marketplace that discover niches that are underserved and that can develop a pipeline on. And franchises can create those kinds of opportunities for a lender because they might get familiar and comfortable with that particular business model that a franchisor offers. And now this doesn't mean a bank will be guaranteeing that they're going to lend to every franchisee applicant, right. but it may mean that a hurdle is removed for the applicant borrower when the lender is already knowledgeable with how that particular franchise business model works. Yeah. Because again, it's related to what you said as well, what it, what it alleviates as far as from the lender's perspective is that I have no experience in this industry, maybe have no experience running a business before but the strength of the franchise is gonna check that box off, if you will, from the bank's perspective. Yes, it can be a big help. And, and you know, it's, there's a big difference between a, a guy approaching the bank and saying, hey, I'm ready to buy or open my first restaurant and, you know, having zero industry experience, the banker's gonna say, okay, best of luck, you know, hope the business endeavor's good for you. Uh, there's just too many unknowns and that begins to look like risk. And bankers, as you know, don't like risk. So um, is it fair to say that generally speaking, if I'm a first-time business owner, I will have a higher likelihood of securing a loan 
with the franchise versus build it my own. Is that a fair statement? For a startup, if you have zero industry experience or limited industry experience, I would definitely say that it increases your probability of approval. Yes. Yeah. Now, what do, do banks typically have um, either a list or how, how do you guys go about saying, oh yeah, this is a franchise that we know and, and believe is worthwhile. How does that happen generally speaking? I'm just curious. Well, this kind of goes back to building relationships with the actual lenders because banks are made up of people and so are business owners, obviously, and their personal experiences and how they like to conduct business definitely gives character to how the bank operates. And there will be tendencies to not really create a list, but to create preferences. And if the bank has been burned by a certain type of franchise in a particular economic cycle, they'll probably say, we won't do that again. Or if they've had success in an area, they say, man, we want to do all of these that we can because we've made a lot of money. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Are there any disadvantages that come to mind of a franchise from a lending perspective? And maybe one of them is, like you said, they, the bank has had a bad experience with that franchise or, or that segment in the past. That could be a disadvantage, right? Right. And, and like I said, this is kind of an area of subjectivity and varies from lender to lender and borrower to borrower. But, um, you know, you've had lenders that have had poor experiences. You've got lenders that have had great experiences. Uh, but once they've had a poor experience, they're twice as shy. Sure. And uh, every lender ha or, or, or bank has its own credit box that it's playing in. And that credit box is not really static. It moves over time. It changes with the way their portfolio is developed and it changes with the economic cycle. So um, sometimes there are certain franchises that are just not desirable during a, a particular business cycle. If you're really finding that consumer spending is falling, mm. uh, probably not going to get real excited about a business to consumer type of arrangement or a restaurant or uh, maybe a yogurt type place or an ice cream type place. You know, all of those things are very dependent on uh, discretionary spending. Right. And so they might want to be leaning more towards a, uh, uh, let's see, bread and butter type operations mm -hmm. of janitorial work, plumbers, electricians, this sort of thing. Right. Things that we, we still need regardless of the economy or that we'll still, still spend money on, the consumers will, regardless of necessarily the economy. Right. And of course, when the economy is blowing and going and doing well, just like it is now, all boats rise now in, in this kind of economy. So, All right. So what uh, commonly, what are you seeing as the type of loan that's that's common for a franchise business are we usually seeing an sba loan tell me a little bit about that and what type of sba loan is common i i would say overwhelmingly the majority of franchises appear to be financed with sba loans and and typically the sba 7a loan guarantee program is utilized and the reason for this is that many of these types of applicants are really startup businesses and as we know uh, startup businesses pose a higher risk to the parties involved than an existing and positive cash flowing business. So my dad has an old joke that he shared with me. He says, hey, son, you know, do you know what potential is? <laughs> and says, it means you haven't done it yet. <laughs> and we all have great potential at the start, but potential does not mitigate risk or get you through to the end. That requires effort and some guarantees. 
And uh, going back to the SBA 7A loan guarantee program, bankers are using that exactly as it's intended to help small business owners and entrepreneurs open up new companies, create new jobs, and expand existing businesses. And um, the reason why these lenders are motivated to use the program is generally they get a 75% guarantee for the principal balance of that loan. So instead of having 100% of the money at risk, only 25% of it's at risk. Right. Is it also one of the 7A components is that I can finance uh, working capital? Is that right? Yes. Um, you know, that's one of the beauties of the, the 7A program. You can finance working capital. You can finance the purchase of a business. You can finance real estate and an inventory and machinery and equipment all in the same loan. Yeah, I mean, that's huge, especially the working capital component. Um, exactly. is, is critical. And that's, that's, I'm sure you see it. That's what I see as one of the common mistakes, especially first-time business owners will make is they'll, they'll skimp on that portion of it and they overestimate how quickly they're going to ramp up to break even. And that's what kills a lot of businesses. There's a lot of underestimation of how much liquidity and how high the burn rate is at the beginning of the start, because everybody thinks that they're going to be successful in a quicker time frame than they typically are. Yeah. And so they're thinking, I'm going to break even in 12 months when it's really 18 months or 24 months. That's right. And it's, it's just how things typically go. So. Yeah. It's the reality of it. There's no doubt. Right. Uh, loan to value. In other words, how much of the total project and, and, and is it realistic to expect for a franchise that I'm going to get financing for? What are you typically seeing there? Sure. Um, just a short disclaimer on this. I'm speaking in generalities because every deal has its nuances and specifics. But in the realm of SBA lending, unlike commercial business financing, they tend to pride themselves and in, in kind of march to the drumbeat of they are cash flow lenders. Now, it's the bank's money that's being lent. Right. But when it's an SBA loan, they want the bank to focus on loan to cost more so than loan to value. Okay. And they want to focus on shoring up, hey, how are these projected cash flows going to work out? regarding the existing cash flows, what makes those stable? And so that's kind of part of the underwriting philosophy that SBA sets forth for the banks. And um, one of the great things that can happen is that if you have a shortage of collateral, that may not be a thing that prevents you from getting approval mm -hmm. in the SBA's eyes or the bank's eyes. Okay, so let's say I've got, uh, it's going to take me $100,000 turnkey to open this franchise location. Is it reasonable that I can get financing for about 70% of that, something in that range? What's, what's realistic? Skin in the game is usually about 20% of 20%, okay, so I might be right. able to finance as much as 80% of the deal. Is that right. Okay. Yes, it, it, potentially. Potentially. Generally, 20, 20 to 25% is kind of the general rule, mm -hmm. um, which means you're going to get an 80% loan to cost. Uh, and the goal, obviously, of the bank is to have at least an 80% loan to value. But in the case of SBA, they're willing to forgo it for a couple of reasons. One is the guarantee. Um, and if you have even more equity into the deal, that makes it even more likely that it will be something that will be perceived and taken well. And that cash portion, Ben, uh, with an SBA 7A in particular, what are, what are acceptable sources of that cash? Where, where can it come from? Um, I would say that there are kind of three rules. Uh, number one rule is, is if you had to borrow your equity from someone or somewhere else, it's not equity. That's not good. It's, yeah. 
Yeah, it's borrowed money. Mm -hmm. uh, the second rule is, is if it's your money that you saved up either in your personal or business accounts or in your retirement account to invest, that's an acceptable source of equity. Okay. And on occasion, I run across kind of the third rule is if your equity money it was originally a gift from a friend, family member, or benevolent stranger, mm -hmm. uh, you can expect that there will be lots of questions and a need to provide documentation to prove that it really is a gift, right. no expectations of repayment, no strings attached. Right. And so they look for a gift letter with some decent legal language in it and some signatures uh, as adequate proof. Yeah, I mean, it, basically, it can't be borrowed money. Can, can it be, and, and we're talking generalities and at a high level, if I bring in investors for some of that cash portion, again, how does that play out? I'm assuming that then at some point that investor is going to have to put their name on the, on the line as well, right? Just talk to me generally what you see there and what I might be able to do. If I don't have all of that cash, can I make it up with investor's money? Um, very likely in the case of an investor situation or a partner or a money partner that comes in, uh, they're going to have to guarantee the loan. Okay. That's just, that's just really pretty typical. Uh, SBA actually has a rule that anyone who has 20% or, or greater interest ownership in a business that they're required to be an unlimited guarantor on the loan. Right, right. Um, and most banks are going to require, hey, he's the money guy. That's where all the liquidity is coming from. Common sense says he needs to be on the loan. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. That's been my experience as well. All right. We touched on it, but let's talk a little bit more about some of the things a bank is looking for when I'm starting this franchise business. Um, as with other, any other type of loan, how important is the business plan? I would say the business plan is is pretty important because uh, it does a couple of things for you. One, it shows that you know what you're talking about. It shows that you've looked at the specific opportunity and you've thought it out, created a plan around that, and it demonstrates your credibility and your competence as well as demonstrates your preparedness and experience that you're about to apply into that venture. Mm -hmm. um, SBA actually requires that you create a business plan and many lenders will give more credence and attention to a deal that has a well-drawn up business plan than one that's just general ideas and conversations. Um, I like to tell my, my clients and those that I consult, a well thought out business plan uh, it's very important because it demonstrates three things in writing. One, it shows how you're going to get into business. Two, it shows how you're going to stay in business. And the third is, it shows how you're going to gracefully exit the business. Okay. That, those are great three practical tips because the thing I find a lot, Ben, is if people get paralyzed, one of two things, they either get paralyzed with the writing of this thing or they end up writing a novel that, that really doesn't necessarily help them, right? <laughs> So, it, it helps to be concise. It's okay yes, if it's yes. a lot, but don't bloviate. Um, I think that one of the, the, I guess, as far as good business plan under, uh, and, and writing um, really revolves around the fact that you are showing what the business model is and how it's going to finance it and how it's going to function as it progresses forward and how you're going to manage it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, analytical work is great. And I know what you're talking about because I've had plenty of folks coming to me, uh, paralysis by analysis, you know, sort oh, yeah. of <laughs> event. And I try to give a, a kind of a guide to how to write a business plan so that folks don't have to necessarily engage, you know, a $10,000, you know, professional to go get a business plan put together, but it gives them 
uh, I guess you could say the the check marks that they can go along to say, yes, I've addressed my industry, I've addressed my sales, I've addressed my my management experience, and then just goes on down the line. How are you going to market yourself? Supply and demand questions, and um, and then of course it's always good to disclose where did your money come from that you're investing. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, great. Those are great tips there. All right. We, we touched on what, what weight the franchise gives it is what is the, what are you going to have to provide the lender from the franchise? Is the lender going to want to see the franchise agreement? Or are they going to want to see the FDD? What, what do you usually look at from the franchisor to consider, you know, whether I'm approved or not for the loan? Um, the, the franchise disclosure document is going to be very important. We're going to want to review that because that's going to be a big part of how we uh, look at the cost structure of the business. And we want to be able to contrast that with whatever pro forma projected income and expenses that you have as an applicant. And that's going to help lead us into what is going to be the future debt service coverage? How are you going to pay the principal and interest on this deal? And so those questions get answered in that franchise disclosure document. Um, and they have a lot of good guide stones for what actual cost ranges should be for getting into your first unit. Um, then one of the other items that we want to be looking at, oftentimes the franchise um, groups have marketing material as well as material to give to lenders because mm. they want their franchisees to be approved sure. and it helps answer a lot of the questions that the lender would typically have um, and then the one of the more important documents we want to know what the specific agreement is between the franchisor and franchisee is and understand if they've got a sweetheart deal or if they're you know having to pay a little above price because the franchisor is really making a stretch for this franchisee mm -hmm. um, all of those things are, are specific to that transaction and uh, that will help us evaluate what going forward now um, in the case of SBA loans to be short, there's a franchise directory, directory, and the franchises that are registered in that director, directory are already eligible with SBA, so they don't have to go through any additional underwriting from the administration to uh, say, hey, this is something we're okay with or, or not okay with, and most of the time what they're looking for is they want to make sure that the franchisee actually owns a business at the end of the day, and they're not just some sort of extension of a system that's you know, making them some sort of licensee or something right, like that. Right, some kind of multi-level marketing or something else that, right. that is not a franchise. This, these, this registered list, is that publicly available or is it a matter of calling you or the franchisor will tell me, how can I, how can I easily identify this franchise that I'm considering is registered? There is a list that's available publicly through SBA.gov. Okay. And you can, I, I believe you can Google it, SBA.gov franchise directory. And if I remember correctly, it's an Excel file that you can download because it's it's thousands. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, but once I download yeah, it, then I can search. What, what I'll do is I'm going to put a link to it on the show notes uh, page for this episode. So you can find sure. that at thehowabusiness.com. I'll, I'll find it and put a link there. Uh, thank, thanks for that. And, and a shortcut to that is if you're already dealing with a franchisor, I would say a due diligence question if you, as a franchisee is, are you on the SBA's franchise registry? Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, that's got to be one of the questions. Um, so you, I want to go back to, because you talked about the FDD. One of the things I find is so surprising to me, Ben, but I'm sure you see it all the time is how many times 
I talk to people who don't even read the FDD. Unfortunately, mm. I see that after they've signed an agreement, a, a um, franchise agreement. You pointed out a couple of things. One is that uh, often, uh, depending on the maturity or whether the franchise or chooses to, they disclose some financials. And, and that's a great way to begin and also to validate, do, do my financial projections make sense? Because that's, that's what the lender is going to do in part is from what you were telling me, right? They're going to look at that and see, well, wait a second, your projections are way off compared to what the franchisor is saying is typical and average, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. If, if you're at the top 2% of, of success stories, we're going to have to look at really what's going on here and say, hey, is this really realistic, especially given our market? Yeah, agreed. Okay, we, you touched on already. There, there's no way around the fact that I'm going to have to personally guarantee the loan. Uh, and I, I, I suspect 99 or 100% of the cases when I'm a first-time business owner, I'm going to have to guarantee the loan. Can you explain what that means to everybody and the difference between guarantee as opposed to collateralize? Sure. So what a guarantee is, typically there's a structure to the way the loan is put in place. The loan for a startup business essentially is written as the borrowing entity, which is the business, the legal entity, the LLC or the C-Corp. And then you have the owners of that entity, which is the ownership interest that's typically 100% by one individual, or maybe split between a husband-wife team, 50-50, or maybe it's split between partners, some numeration of that interest. And so the idea is behind it is that, yes, this is a startup. Yes, we expect cash flows to occur, but we're also going to go and look at each individual who's an owner in this business and say, do they have outside income? Do they have outside assets? Do they have outside liquidity? to support this. Mm -hmm. If this doesn't go as planned, do they have capacity and bandwidth to support additional working capital until the business can go to break even? And um, that's where the guarantee portion of the, the story comes in. If, if all fails, if there's a default event and a liquidation, the bank is going to come to those individuals that signed as guarantees and typically um, they're unlimited guarantees. In the case of SBA loans, they're required to be unlimited guarantees and each individual who's a partner is liable for the full amount. And SBA and the bank really don't mind how it gets paid, they just want it paid. And so that's and, what you mean by unlimited, it's, it's uh, several, yes. severably everybody is on the hook for the entire amount regardless, right? Regardless. Yeah. Now, on occasion in the commercial uh, sense, there are sometimes limited guarantees that are negotiated. Sure. And so maybe in, say, a, uh, a situation where each partner wants to only be liable for their 20%, there's five partners, they only want to be liable for their investment and their portion of the borrowing. So. Now, depending on my individual situation, I may or may not have had to also put up collateral, my property, other investments as further guarantee on this loan. Is that correct? Correct. So SBA says, hey, we're a cash flow based lender. We want you to collateralize the loan as best you can, as much as you can. But if there's a lack of collateral from the business side, you must look at the personal financial statements of each of the individuals involved and say, all right, are there other things that can be used as collateral to secure this loan? 
And frequently when people are starting a business, they really are dumping their life into that business. They don't have anything else but that adventure going on at that time. And SBA says that's no reason to, to deny the loan. But on occasion, you'll find someone that has a, a rental property that has equity in it, or maybe a piece of land that's free and clear, or some other valuable asset. And SBA says, mm, you got to go take that as collateral and take a first lien on it if you can, if not a second lien. Mm, okay. I want to go back also to the point on uh, ability to repay. It, does it help in some situations, if married, one of us is going to leave our jobs and run the business, the other one is going to continue to have that income. Is that considered? That is a plus and that is always considered. Um, I've taught entire classes on this, but what lenders try to drive towards is a global debt service coverage ratio. Okay. They want to include all of the business and personal expenses that somebody is experiencing and all their sources of revenue and income. And then they want to say, can you service all of the debts that are in your life as well as this proposed debt? And what can the expectations be if something goes awry? Yeah. And um, I, it's very common to find couples, you know, teaming up together. One decides, you know, I'm going to go run this new franchise business and my husband or wife is going to continue on in their professional career and support me. And that will help us drive more uh, retained earnings back into the business until we reach that break even point. And then it, I don't have to live on the business income necessarily. My spouse has enough income that we can do that. And so they'll just keep driving that back into the business. And that's always a big plus from a, 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 a lender or bank point of view. Yeah. And um, it, it definitely lends support. But that's not always commonplace. Mm -hmm. Okay. Plenty of times where people are jumping both feet in sure. to the so yeah no and that's what we're projecting right that we're both going to manage the business let's say all right oh, yeah. is it fair to say and again we're we're generalizing here that if i have poor credit i've got too much debt that franchise or no franchise my likelihood of getting lending is going to be greatly minimized is that a fair statement yeah unfortunately if there's poor credit or a history of, of you know delinquency or something like that, um, the franchise really doesn't have any bearing on the success of getting an approval or not at that point. Mm -hmm. um, oftentimes, credit scores and history are um, you know part of the credit decision making process and determining character. And I think this is also an interesting thing to note. There are things that happen in people's lives, divorce, bad health, identity, fraud, tragedy, etc. All of these things can potentially ruin your credit. And sometimes lenders can adequately document these events and possibly use your most recent history to demonstrate that things are improving and that this was a one-time event or an off event in your life. It's not going to continue in the future and you'll be fine. Um, and that will play into the consideration. However, for applicants that are habitual offenders historically, there's not a lot that can be done about yeah, that. Yeah. And I bring that up in part, not only for us to learn, but because I, I see that as one of the misconceptions or myths is that a franchise is going to magically alleviate that. And also the, the common myth is that the franchisor offers financing and I've yet to see mm. that maybe that exists out there, but it's, a, I think it's a misconception Ben about where the money comes from. 
I, I think you're right about that. And on occasion, I have heard of a franchisor doing that, but I think that that's probably become increasingly rare. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. Okay, can you, as we start to wrap it up, can you walk me through at a very high level what the typical process looks like from, you know, I've identified a potential franchise and now I've called Ben to begin the process of seeing if I can get a loan. Walk me through that high level process and a little bit kind of of the typical time frame. And again, I know it varies, but at a high level, what does that look like? High level, 10,000 foot. That's right. Well, typically the applicant applicant is going to fill out a lot of documentation, hand over a lot of private information to the banker, financial information. They're going to identify themselves and all that documentation provide, um, maybe the business plan that they have and that's going to provide the lender with what they need to begin the evaluation process now is that the and, first step or can i call you and have a conversation and say hey i'm looking at this franchise is that something you all are even interested in is that the first call that would be a very good first call okay. or even a first email okay yeah if if we're talking really from scratch you haven't met this person before um, let's get to know each other. Let's have lunch. Say, hey, I'm, I'm having this idea that I'm going to go towards uh, this franchise is something that I'm interested in. Is this even in the ballpark of something you would right, consider? Right. And most lenders will then give you guidance, say, generally speaking, that would be something we would consider, right? Yes, yeah, absolutely. You'll get that high level guidance. All right. So then we, we provide all of our documentation, our personals, our financials, all of that mm -hmm. is provided. Correct. And and oftentimes what you'll find is the lender creates a punch list after receiving all that information because they identify questions that they have and they say, we need this additional document or we have uh, some additional information that we need from you and let's have a conversation. Let's talk about maybe some of the credit holes that we need to fill. And some of that's them checking boxes, but also some of it's just them figuring out what is the credit worthiness of this deal. And um, during that time, that application process, that could be weeks, that could be months, depending on the speed at which the deal is going. But if, uh, if the applicant is really prepared, it could be a matter of days. Okay. okay. And the typical thing that I see is depending on the loan size, uh, bankers are going to move to make a decision at some point. They're either going to approve or decline the loan. And if it's a really large loan, they're going to have to go through all of their loan committees and they're going to have to go get agreements with all the other folks. And if it's really huge, they might have to even go to the board of directors level and the CEO will also have to vote up or down on the deal. Interesting. But, interesting. If we're talking about, you know, what most of us are looking at, maybe in the range of a couple hundred to 500,000, I suspect um, that usually doesn't have to go up that high on the chain typically, right? That I would think in many banks that, that would not have to go very high. You might wind up with one or maybe uh, four or five decision makers in that. Mm -hmm. um, just someone who has the ultimate lending authority that's been given to them that meets that level. Yeah. Now, what I, I know that we're also talking about the context of SBA loans. Right. Once the bank has provided an approval, you're going to probably receive a conditional commitment letter and there's going to be terms in that letter. And one of those conditions is we've got to send this off to SBA for an application with them and they're going to have to respond to us in the affirmative that they agree that this is something we should do. And so they're going to issue an, a, an approval for a guarantee. 
And that process, I find, depending on how busy SBA is and how complex the deal is, it's usually about five to 15 business days. Okay. Okay. All right. So, uh, and then that leads to then we, we usually close when, when we sign the franchise agreement, or I guess it depends because if I've got a, a construction component that might be separate. Uh, but when, when do we usually then get the money, if you will? Frequently, the uh, franchise agreement is already signed when you submit to SBA, but some, there are occasions when it's not, and then it's conditional when the SBA guarantee comes back that they must sign it, obviously. Um, but a, a kind of a punch list gets created, a closing checklist, and docs are written up, and that means sometimes engaging attorneys or appraisers or securing liens involving a title company if there's real estate, um, and, and generally just completing final due diligence procedures. Yeah. And so see, that's the thing I always struggle with, Ben, is this whole timing of, you know, the, the lender and the SBA want me to sign that agreement, but I don't necessarily want to sign the agreement unless I know I can get lending and I know I can have contingencies, but that's, that's a tough one there, right? It, it really is. It's always, you know, chicken or the egg sort of situation, cart before the horse. Uh, there, there's always challenges to those specific situations. And, you know, the interesting thing is frequently when I've had applicants for franchises come forward, they've already signed sometimes months before oh my gosh, the, the franchise agreement wow. before they even see me. So it's it's funny how it happens and it's different from case to case. Yeah. All right. Great stuff. We'll start to wrap it up. Um, we've touched on it, but tell me again, if I'm, if I'm now, I'm in the process of I'm identifying franchises and I've got one or two ideas, maybe I've been working with a franchise broker like Sarah. Um, let me ask you this way. When should I contact you? Um, I don't have any problem with being contacted earlier in the process rather than later in the process. Um, it gives me an opportunity to get to know you. It gives me the opportunity to kind of input and say, hey, you know, these are some considerations from the bank side that you might want to include in your business plan and help set some realistic expectations for what can be done. And um, if, if it's really late in the process, people tend to be in a real rush and they get frustrated because things aren't moving as fast as they thought it should and everybody gets a little stressed and sometimes expectations also get stressed yeah so earlier is always better develop that relationship with the banker yeah no, no doubt all right to summarize for us what uh, the services are especially or particularly as it relates to lending for a for a possible franchise tell us about the services that first bank texas offers Sure. Uh, well, First Bank Texas is a community bank. They're committed to creating you know, uh, an enriched banking experience for both personal and business uh, uh, transactions. But really what it boils down to on the business side is that we will utilize SBA lending as a, as a vehicle for franchisees. And we will go through that process with them. We'll walk them through all those documents. There's about three times the amount of paperwork involved in an SBA loan than a normal commercial loan. And so we'll consult through that. And on the depository side, we offer you know, remote deposit capture, online banking and that merges with your you know, QuickBooks. These are sorts of things that are just basic banking all across the board. But um, I think really where our touch is is in the personal side. Um, you know, why would a why would a professional or business owner want to bank with me specifically? And it's because I'm offering a relationship 
where I can become a trusted advisor to you. And in my case, I'm unique in the fact that I'm a lender who is also a certified business appraiser with over a decade of business and real estate financing experience. So that is the sort of resource that you can tap into when you're banking with First Bank Texas. Yeah, that's great. And of course, if you're listening and you're not in the North Texas region, I, I advise you to look for someone like Ben. Um, and and I, I would visit multiple banks. I would start with somebody local, ideally, like First Bank Texas is here in our region. Uh, or where you're currently banking, but, but you have to develop that relationship with someone. And it's just like selecting any other professional, I think, Ben. You have to feel comfortable with that person and feel like they are going to help you with the process. They, you got to find somebody who understands and respects that you, you've not been through this before and you need help to get through it. 100% agree with you. Absolutely. All right. Is there anything I didn't ask you about that you often see or that you thought I should have asked as it relates to lending for franchises. Anything that we didn't cover that you think I should have asked about? Um, I think that addressing the expectations of applicants is important because they need to understand that when you apply for a bank or other lending, lending institution, you're looking at a possibility of an approval or a decline. Mm -hmm. And if there is a decline, the best thing that you can do if you have a really good relationship with that lender is learn why, the real reason why, not you know the rubber stamp reason why. Um, and that will help you say, okay, how can I adjust my business plan? Where can I improve? Where do I need to work? Maybe I need to go gather some more equity together. If it was a working capital issue, they were concerned that there was too little. Maybe, you know, adjust your plan accordingly, take another run at it. And sometimes it's just a matter of learning the credit boxes of those lenders. Uh, what is not good for one lender might be great for another. You just never know. And so one of the things that I try to do, I've developed a network of professionals all over the country and especially here in Texas. And I try to connect people every day to others who can help them, especially when I'm unable to help. But if someone says, hey, will you hear me out? I need some help. I will say, yes, I'm going to help you. I'm going to try to find someone who can help you. And I think that's an important thing. Yeah, that's great. All right. Um, it might be what you just mentioned, but is there one thing that stands out that you want us to take away from this conversation about lending for franchises? Absolutely. This really ties in with what I was just talking about. Business and banking is about people and relationships. I think it's important that we develop relationships that facilitate transactions rather than transactional relationships. And people are what matters. And trans, uh, transactions come and go, mm -hmm. but relationships can last a lifetime. Yeah, yeah. And, and so your point is that um, as we should, as I mentioned with other professionals that we need as we start and grow a business, your banking relationship should be like that as well. Certainly, yeah. certainly. All right, tell me where you want us to go online to find out more about you and about First, uh, First Bank Texas. Sure. Our website for First Bank Texas is www.go2fbt.com. It's go, G-O, the number two, fbt.com. And uh, you can find out about where all of our branches are, a little bit of our history. We've been around since 1885. And you can learn about some of the uh, aspects of our bank that we advertise. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the other things that I would like folks to do you should be able to Google search my name, Benjamin Johnson, First Bank, Texas, and I should be the first search result. Come connect with me on LinkedIn. Okay, so that's the best way for people to reach you directly is through LinkedIn? 
Correct. Okay, fantastic. And we'll have links to, to you as well as to First Bank Texas, of course, on the show notes page of this episode. All right, Ben, this has been great. Thanks for taking the time to, to converse about these things, sharing your knowledge. We could go on for another hour, but this was great. This is exactly what I was hoping to have you come on and share with us. So thanks for taking the time and, and for dealing with the technical issues we had for our listeners. We had at least one power outage because of storms. So thanks for your patience on that, Ben, and thanks for being here tonight. Oh, thank you very much for the invita- invitation, Henry, and I really greatly uh, appreciate the opportunity and I've enjoyed it with you. Thank you. Folks, this is Henry Lopez, and thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. My guest again today was Ben Johnson. We release new episodes every Monday morning. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, and at our website, thehowabusiness.com. And also, don't forget about the free franchise webinar this Wednesday. So this episode got released on Monday. If you're listening today on Monday, the franchise webinar is on Wednesday. There are still available spots. At that point, you just have to register. And to do so, you can either go to the website or just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996, and I will reply with the link. Thanks for listening to this episode. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.